This episode of Nerd Cognito, hey, look at that. It's brought to you by the Village of Greenhaven. You might have heard something about this, but the Village of Greenhaven is a system agnostic pop-in principle. What does that mean? Well, it is a complete village, including surroundings, environments, NPCs, potential encounters, random tables, and it's built for your game. The DM on the go always needs extra resources, and Greenhaven presents both lighthearted and some very serious situations for you just to pop into your game. The best part? It's $2, $1.99 for a fully fleshed out city and environment. You can't go wrong, and I happen to know the guy that wrote it. He thinks that you should buy it right now. Go to Drive Through RPG and just search Greenhaven, and you'll find the village of Greenhaven. Again, $1.99. You'll have a great resource for your game can't go wrong. It's cheaper than a soda. Go get it. Drive through RPG, search for Greenhaven, pick it up, and pop it in. Now, on with the show. Hey, 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 welcome, everybody. It is the First episode of 2024 of Nerd Cognito. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. My name is Ryan David. Hey, did you hear that show sponsor? We're going to talk a little bit about Greenhaven, as I'm sure you would have guessed today on the show. But I'm not going to do it by myself because I'm terrible at talking about my own stuff. I'm going to do it with my two co-hosts. The first one being my good friend, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? I'm tired. <laughs> Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I'm 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 very very tired, but I'm also very excited. Uh, Greenhaven went gold this past week, and it's available. And I've been getting positive feedback. Uh, I haven't even had any of the subhumans come out of the woodwork and destroy it yet. So <laughs> I'm walking on eggshells today. <laughs> um, I did enjoy a nice little, you know, refresh leading up to this new year. Um, but now it's it's back to the grind, right? <laughs> Always. Oh, uh, you know who else did some grinding last week? Uh, our other co-host, Kyle. What's up, Kyle? Hey, man, I haven't uh, haven't talked to you since last year. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, stupid joke. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's all I got. I'll get it from folks at my day job for at least six weeks. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. Yeah, I will, I will too. I will too. I haven't seen you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so any gaming this week, boys? Uh, yeah, I had, uh, two game days this week. What'd you squeeze in a fallout? I know your fallout group ran, right? Yeah. And, uh, pathfinder. Ah, pathfinder. Now you guys are playing pathfinder one E, correct? Correct. Uh, there was, there was a big kerfuffle on the Twitter machine, about taking 10 and taking 20 last week <laughs> from from a bunch of Pathfinder squeebs. And uh, I had to remind them. You'd be surprised how many of them were like, oh, there's not a Pathfinder rule. I'm like, no, that's a 3-5 rule, you fuck sticks. <laughs> and it's a terrible rule on top of that. Kyle and I talked a little bit about it on the Speakeasy this past week. Yeah, yeah, I not a fan, not a fan of it. You're Don't not like gonna, it. You're not going to find your inner Zen and take 20 to do it. 
No, no, <laughs> no anymore. I, I'm just happy. I'll take 10 and try to, you know, squeeze it in in 30 seconds. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh boy, uh, Bert. Yes. Did you know that there was a little supplement released this week? Uh, one of my friends just kept going on and on about it. I, I do remember hearing something about it. Yeah, this this little thing that you can pop into any system, regardless of whether it's you know Castles and Crusades or even Fifth Edition or even OSR stuff. Um, it's 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 a city, and the surroundings of the city all completely fleshed out for you as the DM, but not to the level where it's taking away your ability to layer things on top of it and make it your own. It's called the Village of Greenhaven, Bert, and it's available on Drive Through RPG right now. It's <laughs> and it's less than two dollars, less than two bucks for this this book. It, the author must be insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what? what yeah. I, I have to ask right off the bat. I have to ask the most important question that everybody wants to know about Greenhaven. Yeah. Ryan. What page is the TPK instructions on? You know what? And Kyle <laughs> has read through it. You're not allowed to read through it because <laughs> it is. Well, you you are currently in Greenhaven in our campaign, right? I know. Right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Kyle, in, in, in our fantasy campaign at the Nerd Cognito table, they are c- presently in Greenhaven right now. In fact, they're all okay. camped out at the waterfall <laughs> because okay. um, there was a cataclysmic event that drove the entire town to huddle there for safety. So, <laughs> okay. Um, no, th- there are no TPK instructions. Um, uh-huh. There are some stiffer monsters in the random monster table. But nothing yeah. that I think is is egregious. Here, here, let me whip this out. Hey, hey, put that away, man. <laughs> Ain't nobody wants to see that. Speaking of little things you can pop in. <laughs> what, what's that line from Kodachrome? If we go back to all the girls, <laughs> I knew when I was single. <laughs> um, let, let me give Bert a peek at it. Um, because... Yeah. You know, two things. One, I do want you guys, not me, you guys to talk about it and ask me stuff, right? You are my first official Greenhaven interview. There are a couple more that are lined up, but I wouldn't be doing my home team justice if I didn't give you first crack at me to ask all the hard questions. And I want both easy and hard questions from this. Look at how pretty that is, Bert. Nice job. Yeah, um, it is. It is a green haven. There are some some heft. I said beefier monsters. Nothing that's critical. Okay. But look, right. you, you roll a one on a d twenty in town, and you're getting a gargoyle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this, you could get a. There's a vampire there. there See, are, yeah, vampires are, are can be tough. Some um, hags. Hags are hags. hags are the deceptively named absolute destruction monster. <laughs> dude, dude, a, a mummy. There is a mummy. Yeah, Mum, ooh, mummies are not easy. No, dude. I like dude, I said, especially the, for a especially basilisk, for a, a mid-level party that can be devastating. Well, there are no challenge ratings in this, my friend. It is system agnostic and true to my philosophy. Combat is not the only solution in Greenhaven. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I expected to catch some flack 
on the monster tables, and people loved them. I expected to catch flack on the artwork, and I've had nothing but positive stuff so far about the artwork. So I think it looks good. I was turtled up and ready to just deflect arrows, and they haven't come yet, and that makes me even more nervous. (laughs) Paranoia will destroy you. Oh, who are you telling, Kyle? <laughs> so, Bert, this sort of came out of nowhere for you, right? <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I know that you had talked about it, but you had uh, you deliberately keep the details vague, and that makes sense. You know, if our uh, bi-weekly group is playing in Greenhaven right now, you don't want me to know what's coming. Well, that's but, true. Uh, but the design of the system is such that even if you read this book cover to cover twice, you still don't know what's coming because it's designed to provide a great foundation for the dungeon master without handcuffing them to a module or to a sort of defined play. It's really built as imagination fuel for the dungeon master. And that was my, my main goal. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, it, it continues to, to be well-received. Uh, we are on our way to hitting copper, which is crazy, right, C- considering it released days ago. And I did it with <laughs> no marketing, no forethought. I just posted it. <laughs> How stupid yeah. am I, <laughs> Kyle? No, 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 I don't think you're stupid at all. I like the random tables because it's that's a staple of the old school style, you know, random table generation and wandering monsters and random events. And, uh, you've even got name tables in there for like NPCs, which is good. Um, cause some, cause there's a lot of game masters have struggle with, uh, character names, right. You and know, or NP- NPC names. I've done it. I'm sitting at the table on the fly and, you know, Oh, this, uh, you know, Harlot yeah. walks up to you and, you know, she's dressed like this and she looks like this and her hair is like this. And she says, well, hello. And one of the party, men, well, hi, what's your name? And I'm like, you know, I didn't want that to happen because while there are more developed NPCs, again, GMs are going to take this wherever they want to go. And it's funny. I didn't, I went back and forth on, on the citizen name table in particular kyle because i had this little blurb that went with it and it was saying not only is this table designed for you to come up with a name on the fly but it's also created with the population balance of what green haven's population is made of i ended up taking it out because i think it kind of conveys that without having a block of text there. Sure. But yeah, I don't, it does. I, I mean, don't know if it yeah. did or not, you know? <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it's pretty obvious from the table. You've got your, you've got your, your core fantasy races. You've got your human elf, dwarf, etc. And, um, yeah, the, the names you just, you, you roll a D 100 and that's the race of the NPC and there's a name. Right. And I, I also grouped it. So if, you specifically as a dungeon master have an elf you roll a d10 and there it is right right Um, there yeah so maybe i should 
in it, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many coulda, woulda, shouldas, right? Um, I, I think that any intelligent dungeon master is going to pick up on that really quickly. And any non-intelligent dungeon master isn't going to have this in their collection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Bert. I just want to roll a 74 so I can have an NPC called Snickerdoodle. <laughs> the halfling NPC Snickerdoodle. That's Snickerdoodle. absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. It sounds like, sounds like a halfling to me. The legendary halfling war mage Snickerdoodle. You know, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I'm still really fighting the imposter syndrome on this one. And I don't know when yeah. that's going to go away. Uh, I don't know that it ever will. Yeah, it, <laughs> I hate to burst your bubble, but, uh, yeah, might not now, ever. Now, we've reviewed products in a similar vein. Towns that you could just plunk down in your campaign and use. Like, we've reviewed one or two of these in the past. What sets Greenhaven apart from, you know, one of those other products where you have a like a pre-established town with maps and things and you just plunk it down in your world. Every one of those other products, and some of them were quite good, right? And they are creator friends of the show. Um, but every one of those other products is constrained and developed under the auspices of a system. And so the literal white space that they have to use and dedicate to make things match to a system, you know, page space is a valuable resource when you're laying out a book. And if you get too big and you price yourself out of the market, that's a bad thing. So it's very valuable real estate, but they have to invest in that system or in some cases, multiple system specific page space. I don't have to do that. So I can get, all long-winded and, and rd flowery and, and it's not too long-winded um but it i think reading through the text there's not going to be any doubt for someone that knows me on a personal level who wrote the book right because it sounds like it's me telling the tale and right. the reason that this is different from the ones that are married to a system or systems is because I gave myself more freedom to tell that tale. It's still very short, right? I had to really, really chop things about NPCs and locations. And it ended up at first being very painful as a creator to, to just, you know, see this stuff end up on the cutting room floor. But in the end, it made for a better product because it allowed for more openings for the individuals mm -hmm. that are actually using the text to put their own flavor and lore and history into place. So by forcing myself to be abbreviated down, I actually made it more adaptable and right. I had a hard time with it at first. I didn't want to do it. And then I came to the realization, no, 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 no. This is actually a positive thing, and this is not just a defense mechanism, right? You're not just telling yourself it's a positive thing. Um, but I had to take a break from from doing that at first because I really, really was struggling with, oh, my God, all of this good stuff is not going in. Okay, and I took two days and just did art. And then I came back to it, fresh eyes, fresh perspective, and I said, by taking some of those what I would call micro level details and leaving them out 
but including a plethora of macro-level details, I really empower the, the game master. And that was my goal. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same principle as a, a lot of the of like a rules light game compared to a more crunchy game where people it, it's counterintuitive, but and I but I've said it for a long time. The more detail there is, the more confining it is. If you want to leave things expansive and open, and it's just what you talked about, remove a lot of that and and leave the core essentials. And it'll it'll it almost will always work better. Less is more in this case. Now here's something where I'm going to lean on Bert. Bert, you ready to support my fat ass? <laughs> Ouch! <clears throat> Go ahead. Well, no, you've played this, mm -hmm. right? Or and you are currently in Greenhaven, right? And this is where it started for you. But I want you to speak to how this actually manifested in the game. And how there were details and little intricacies that came not from me, not from this text, but from the table and the play. Because you've gone in, and, and one of the first locations in the game is Verdant Square, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's I'm going to read the, the description, the little blurb, right? It's two or three sentences at the top of each landmark that was really hard to get down to two or three sentences. <laughs> Um, at the heart of Greenhaven lies the Verdant Square, a communal gathering space that forms the vibrant nucleus of village life. The square features a majestic stone-rimmed water well, which serves as the focal point for festivals, markets, and important announcements. You've been there. Right. Your Verdant Square doesn't look like that. No. No, uh, events escalated very quickly in Verdant Square. Um <laughs> Things are very different from that idyllic introduction that you gave currently. And that was partially because of DM events, player action events, moving the story around. In your world, quite frankly, Verdant Square doesn't exist anymore, Kyle. I know you're going to love this. That's the trog hole. <laughs> the trog hole. I saw that coming. Yeah. I saw that coming. So I that, smell a trog hole from a mile away. That's an example <laughs> of how you can take the limited information that you have. And yeah. I say limited information, again, in a positive light. That sounds negative, but it's, it's limited in that, again, it's that macro level information about right. landmarks, about places, about people, about events, and really, really make it your own. All right, guys. Good, bad, or ugly? What do you want to know? What do you want to know before we move in and, you know, slog through news? Okay, well, so, here. okay, here's what I want to know. All right. The, I, you think I'm an idiot, but. Most of the time, not but so, not today. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not so sure because the first thing that I noticed is I, so. I go through, I'm reading it. Here's the descriptions. Here's the places. Okay. It looks great. The language is great. I think it gives exactly what it needs. Where's the map? <laughs> Where's the goddamn map? Right? So there's this great artwork and it looks really cool. And I'm getting to the end. It's like, there wasn't a map. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to lay this village out. Answer that. Intentional. Intentional. And there is a map. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the map is not presented on the front end, you know, with numbered locations and this is here and this is there because again, very deliberately as I was creating this, I wanted things to be open for the GM to interpret and make it their own. But if you go to the last page, the very last page, there is a stylized map of Greenhaven. And if you look at this map, all of the locations are there. We have Verdant Square in the uh, prominently in almost the center of the artwork. Mm -hmm. There are some other locations. There's the old mill ruins, Kyle, you referenced that there they are. Yep. There's the, the lakeside chapel, which is somewhere where I like to go for, for some spiritual refreshing. (laughs) It's, it's right there. There's There's, the whispering waterfall. Yep. It's all there. But okay. it doesn't have a compass rose. It doesn't have a legend. It doesn't have numbers right. cluttering it up. It is there if the GM wants to use it. Absolutely. Print it out. Put it on the table. Throw it on your virtual tabletop. <laughs> if you want to go that way. I intentionally put it at the last page. But if you're very perceptive, it's also on the inner cover. Right. right. So. There is a I map. God it damn it. <laughs> I think, no, I think, yeah, well, it's just, it's something that struck me and maybe it's the, my old school background, right? My, my old school background. And granted in, in a lot of old school uh, modules and adventures, the map was often at the end. So, I mean, that's, that's not necessarily a big deal. Um, but it I always was used to kind of having that, you know, the old blue graph paper right. look, with the, with the numbered locations and everything. And it didn't have that. And so that last page is kind of, I guess I overlooked. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, you know, I, you, I love you still. Bert, I mean, do you have me, anything that you want to rip me to shreds for, please? Oh, I don't think I'm going to rip you to shreds. I like the fact that you don't have a numbered map. Cause I tend to be one of those guys who tends to put together my own stuff. And this lets you like steal landmarks from Greenhaven for your own city or exactly what it's designed to do. Right. Right on the money, man. You know, if I want to throw a verdant square into a campaign that I'm running or one shot that I'm running, then I've got the basic description right there. I can just slot it into my village where I want to have it. Uh, And, and that is at the heart of why, I decided this needed to be my priority. It's right. weird, right? Because everybody knows that I've been working on auras for a really long time. Right. Um, I needed this to be the priority because it is something that everyone can use. I know not everyone is going to use auras. I know right away people are going to look at some of the mechanics and raise an eyebrow and say, well, that's different. Let's just play C and C. That's going to happen, and that's okay. But with this, it doesn't matter what you're playing. I, right. I think the only criticism I got was people are kicking me in the nuts saying that I priced myself poorly as as a creator. I made it too cheap. <laughs> but I, I don't well, know if that's a bad – like, I'm not going to make any money on it, Kyle. But it wasn't right. designed to do that. It was designed to really float the hobby, right? 
Well, I don't, I don't think you, I don't, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. And I guess you, you know, there are people that could argue that, you know, that's like, you know, this is, this is over 30 pages of stuff, you know, 10 cents a page is not too much to ask. You should have at least been the three or $4 mark. I kind of, I kind of take your approach and be like, look, this is a first full release, right? You have released before, but this is a first full release. Sure. Get it out there, you know, price it at a level where people will be like, Hey, it's two bucks. I'll pick it up. I'll give it, you know, I can, use, you know, there's stuff in here I can use and that gets your name out there. I wasn't um, even, you know, I, I wasn't even going down that path, but uh, I guess you're right. No. Yeah. But I mean, it, it establishes you as a creator and, you know, especially if you can, you know, you get some people that look at it and they like it and then they want more Then in the future, you know, you, you create more stuff. And I'm not saying that you necessarily increase your prices tremendously, but it's like, you know, maybe you, maybe you go to two ninety nine next time and you put out a 40 page deal. <laughs> and it, it, you know, it also, People are going to look at it and say, oh, $1.99, look at this great thing. I can't wait to put it in my table. We're going to put it right next to the high school. It's the high school of Greenhaven. We're going to have our prom. And, oh, look, this is written by Ryan David. Well, that, that, there must be another Ryan David that's not like that horrible, terrible. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually did have one person. That, that purchased it and requested a refund after they found out who I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And I happily, you know, I, I issued it and they're like, well, I'm going to do it. I was like, no, you keep it, keep it. Because, um, well, I bought it cause it looked like something that would be very stylistic and fit into my fifth edition campaign. But then one of the people in my group told me who you were. Right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, I still want you to keep it. I still want you to use it. I still want you to have your money back and maybe, maybe try the OSR out. <laughs> I didn't get that's, a response after that. Yeah, um, well, that's fine. I mean, you know, and I think that's fair too. I mean, they've already, I mean, whatever. I, I'm not worried about it. Anyway, <laughs> village of Greenhaven, go to drive through RPG, search for Greenhaven and you will find it a dollar 99 made it so that everybody can afford a copy. If you are absolutely drive-through RPG adverse, you can also go to nerdcognito.com and find it there. But um, we really want the to drive traffic, haha, to drive through because we want your purchase to count towards uh, their their different tier levels, right? So right. that is that. Final thoughts, guys. It's a solid business model that's been used by people who cater to addicts for centuries. The first taste is cheap. Uh, I'm, not <laughs> even, I'm not even going there. I, I legitimately. I that's what I'd do. <laughs> and, and, you, and, and you, looking at the like three shelves of supplements behind you, Ryan, can't say that gaming's not an addiction. No, I, I, I certainly can't say that, but uh, who knows? Uh, maybe Blight Shade will be two ninety nine. Wait, what's that? Uh <laughs> no, I don't. I, I mean, we had some conversations behind the scenes. I don't believe that was your intention at all. I really don't. I don't think that you had this intention of being like, you know, the pusher just over 500 feet from the school ground. Um, you know, I just don't think you were doing that. But I, I do think that it works in that capacity or it has the potential to, should you choose to pursue that in the future. Well, hey, uh, nice side effect, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, any of us who have run 
you know, long-term campaigns and things like that, know that, you know, a nice resource that's easy to use and gives you a lot of wiggle room can be a great thing to help out with your campaign. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. hopefully people will, if nothing else, find it useful. Um, time shall tell. Again, it's only, uh, what, two days old at this point. So I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought you did a good job. Congratulations. Well, man. thank you. We'll see as as the other reviews come in and hope that everybody else <laughs> feels the yeah. same way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, depending on how our campaign goes, I'm sure that I'll either love it, Ryan, or I'll be cursing Greenhaven until the day <laughs> oh, I die. Depending you're going on what to you, love it. You're going depending to on what you it. do to our characters, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you will never forget the village of Greenhaven. Oh shit! (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's let's take a look at what happened in the past week. People can't say that we didn't say news either, because someone will say it. It was said. It was just said a long time ago. (laughs) Been a minute. Um. So the shtick is still alive. Let's see what we've got this week coming up in the news. Oh, let's start things out with a list. <laughs> oh, uh, I need something to pull me out because um, I'm in the trog hole. Uh, every time we talk about Greenhaven, I, I really have a lot of anxiety and it's unnatural <laughs> and it's out of character for me. So I'm having right. a really hard time wrapping my hands around this <laughs> so what better to change the tune than to present you with a list and what a list it is tabletop games that deserve the Baldur's gate three treatment Uh-oh. <laughs> oh by, by Baldur's gate three treatment you mean kyle doesn't play it <laughs> <laughs> no no i mean think about it there's a lot of tabletop games out there where you just have to insert some bear fucking right Oh, Ryan, how about no. inserting some fudge dice rolls? How about lots of in uh, anyway? Um, yeah, we know what I think of Baldur's Gate 3. And yeah. as I look at this list, I say there are some games that deserve the Baldur's Gate 3 oh, treatment. Okay. Uh, at the bottom of the list, uh, j- generically lumped in as world of darkness now with the exception of one game i can't think of a good white wolf video game adaptation that's true i'm not familiar with many of their adaptations i know they did a vampire masquerade thing. That, was, that was the only good one was it okay yeah. yeah i mean the the world that they created was amazing but the mechanics for that game were clunky at best and hey, you know, vampires banging werewolves and then killing each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, we, it, it could happen. We played in very <laughs> different White Wolf games, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Uh, Bert's, yeah. Bert, uh, my, I, I'm just talking about how, you know, Baldur's Gate 3. So, um, yeah. Quickly going down through the list, Call of Cthulhu, another one that has the stigma of they can't make a good video game for it. Um, I don't know that I would wish Baldur's Gate on Cthulhu because of my love of the Lovecraftian right. mythos. 
Yeah, I um, wouldn't want to do that either. We talked about this oh. one last week, Shadow Run. <laughs> and of course, uh, the 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 Sparkle Troll author put in recommended source books for conversion and at the top Shadowrun 5E. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you guys don't want to go back to the old D6 dice pool from Shadowrun 1st Edition? You know what? If we were to play Shadowrun, oh God, I'm going to get hate mail. I would play 5th Edition Shadowrun uh, over the original system just because I don't want nine-hour combats. Right. Oh, come on. That was part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a calculator as a necessary tool for my role-playing game. Oh, right? my God. And then learn to add faster, Ryan. <laughs> oh, number. <laughs> Look at Bert. I know, zing. Number seven, Deadlands. Deadlands. Uh, I, I think it's effectively been done, right? We put in zombies into Red Dead Redemption already. Why mess with that formula? Why not just use that engine and make it Deadlands? Um, right. I'm all for cowboy games, though. I, I like driving my horse. That's that's the term, right? We drive horses. <laughs> uh, you drive cattle. You, you drive ride horses. Uh, number six, Star Wars, Edge of the Empire. That's the uh, uh, revised tabletop role-playing game that uh, mm-hmm. followed Fallen Order. Yeah, I, I can see Disney ponying up for this, right? We need a trans Twinkie Jedi. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't played a Star Wars campaign since, like, the first release. West End Games version? Yes. Yeah, that was the best system anyway. <laughs> I, I will give Star Wars D20 props. They did a very good job. And adapting uh, Star Wars into the D20 universe. And the one thing that, that came out of that that I really, really thought was a good mechanical improvement was the wound point system, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Number five, ironically at number five. Um, now we get to the territory where we're going to taint some stuff, in my opinion. Legend of the Five mm-hmm. Rings. Don't do that to Legend of the Five Rings, please. Please, please. L5R, while not crazy popular, has an immense wealth of history and lore and Mm -hmm. solid mechanics behind it. Yeah, I only ever got to play in one campaign for that, but I would agree with you. There's a ton of, like, available lore and, like, and, like, they call it's called legend of the five rings for a reason you see a lot of like rumors and legends and history to that game yeah no i i think that it is something that's best left on the table because let's face facts we've seen what's happened with baldur's gate unfortunately it has swelled the sparkly ranks it's justified a lot of their boneheaded actions and comments too Mm-hmm. Would I like to see a good conversion of Legend of the Five Rings to another medium, whether it's a, a movie or a video game? Sure, but I think my definition of a good conversion and what we'd actually get are kind of different. Yeah. Uh, the only way I can see L5R working in a video game system is a tactical XCOM-style game. Right. Not I Baldur's Gate 3. That. 
Yeah. I was just thinking that XCOM. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah sign me up. That might work. Yeah, that might work. And keep Larian far, far away from it. <laughs> uh, the One Ring. Uh, why? That's uh, You're subbing high fantasy for high fantasy just with a different so- story, right? You don't, don't fuck with Tolkien. And, there you go. Kyle. <laughs> Blades in the Dark. How many of you are familiar you can do with this? You want with that. <laughs> <laughs> I own it. I own it, actually. Evil Hat Games, right? Yeah. 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 It was I've before they went full right. woke. It was their last that's, big release before they went full nutty lumpkins. Yeah, that's, that's when I bought it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I had some friends who were playing it, but I never got a chance to participate. I don't know too much about this uh, particular system. There's some interesting concepts in it. I've I've never actually played it, but I've read through it, and there's there's some things that I kind of like about it. And I hate to say that because I don't like evil hat games anymore. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, it's not. I mean, as far as the treatment goes, though, I mean, as woke as they are now, I mean, do what the do what the hell you want with it. I guess it could work. It could work with Baldur's Gate. I, I've never read it. I've never played it, and I think that I would enjoy the read. But at this point, I can't give money to Evil Hat, right? So right, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and no, I haven't bought anything since. But they, it is very. I mean, it would fit. It's very much a story-based game, right? It's it's a narrative game, very much so. Masks, a new generation. Uh, superheroes. There's better RPGs to pick for supers. I've never even heard of that. It's, it's new superheroes. I got it, you. It's Strixhaven superheroes, Kyle. Okay, it really yeah, is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I think that there's also very good entries that do superhero games justice, particularly in the MMO world. So mm-hmm. why ruin it? But the last entry on the list, I say absolutely absolutely make this into the next Baldur's Gate 3 because the fan base will love it. The the Baldur's Gate crowd will love it. Oh, God, here the we go. The rainbow <laughs> skittle hairs are going to love it, but you can take kids on bikes and shove that all the way up the bear's ass. What? No. Yeah. I mean, say no. No, really, what? Kyle? Or are you just, you're just yanking my chain here? <laughs> I mean, kids, kids on bikes is the premise of like every '80s movies that had kids in it. As Stranger Things, yeah, I mean that's that's exactly it, Bert. Right there, you nailed it. It's Stranger Things. It's ET, man. It's uh, the Goonies. I yeah. played in it. It can be a fun system with the right group. It's. Uh, I, I kind of God, people are gonna think bad of me now. I kind of like kids on bikes. I really kind of do. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you want to have kids in the same world? fucking bears literally literally fucking bears here's the thing (laughs) they sure do to further normalize some of the political agendas that we're not going to talk about today (laughs) we're not going to talk about no no, we're not not going there uh that's that's the list of things that that the other side wants so desperately to see in Baldur's gate three material okay well good luck to you yeah (laughs) I'm going to sidestep here and stay in the video game world for a little bit because one of my favorite games of the modern era is due for its cinematic release, or at least its like, cinematic 
production, and that is Death Stranding. Um, They're turning the walking simulator into something? They are. (laughs) And I think, and again, as long as we keep it woke-free, I think they may have nailed the the correct director for this. But it's going to be really hinged on keeping him woke free. And that's Jordan Peele. Okay. Yeah, that was my response too. Yeah, I've seen a lot of his stuff. I um, I think that if we keep it sanitized, it could be incredibly incredibly good. He's a, a woke yeah, you're you're right. You're right. It's 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 the woke thing because he's a good filmmaker. He's a really good director. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. Now, the counterbalance to this and possibly keeping it woke-free, or at least as woke-free as Kojima can get, is Kojima, right? Right. I don't know that he would allow too much, oh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, latitude in his direction or in his vision for them to shoehorn that crap in. Yeah. Hmm. That'd be, that, that's going to be an interesting one. I would like to hear a follow-up on that. In the yeah, I, I definitely do. Uh, Kojima has, you know, said some typical relatively cryptic things, uh, including, quote, there were a lot of pitches to make a large-scale movie with famous actors and flashy explosions. But what good would explosions be in Death Stranding? Uh, related to the film, making money isn't something I'm focused on at all. I'm aiming for a more art house approach. Interesting. Who said that? Kojima. Okay. So knowing that it's still his baby, I have hope that he might be able to really blast sunlight onto the Death Stranding film. Yeah, that that quote could be taken a number of ways. I read it as he's um, attached to the vision, right? Correct. He's got a vision, and I'm attached to that, and this is this is what I want. Right. I mean, plus we have to. You guys have to admit, repetitive controls won't be a problem in a movie. <laughs> well, it's not going to be Norman <laughs> delivering packages, right? Damn it's going to be a movie in the Death Stranding world. Damper. And gosh. Darn it, Bert, you have to play that freaking game. The narrative of that game is so freaking good. And the mechanics of that game are so repetitive. Uh, You you were the one that was busting up on me last week for not grinding enough (laughs) at Octopath Traveler, man. I don't want to hear it. Go build your slingshot for your cargo. (laughs) Uh, Follow up to a story we talked about a couple weeks ago. We know that Ryan had some opinions about the necessity for board game workers to unionize. <laughs> you know. Oh, here we go. Uh, uh, there are now, the, and I, I will say this, occasionally I editorialize some things. When I'm quoting things, I won't, right? But sometimes I'll editorialize some things as, as we go through them in the news. Never noticed. Usually for for entertainment purposes to keep us entertained. 
Of course. I have no need to editorialize anything. So this is quotes as spoken by board game employees related to their complaints and their needs to unionize. We're getting it straight from the horse girl's mouth. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Quote, the owners aren't great at rescheduling meetings or answering emails, or they'll make changes to the menu without telling us. Uh, you work in a so, cafe. There's going so, to be a special. Right. So, you're yeah, a cook. But I mean, people, people should be informed of what the special are. That makes sense. Bert, you're a line cook. Make what uh, uh, They're not making pâté de foie gras. They're making sandwiches and french fries, <laughs> and they're dropping pizzas that were frozen. Right. Yeah. Another employee. I'm, 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 what? Yeah. Go ahead, man. Go. It's just no. It's just I, I think about it. Look, it, with my day job, it's like that's just life, man. You know, it's like your boss decides to change something, and they don't tell you. Just freaking deal with it because that shit happens all the time, right? To most normal people are like, okay, you know, it sucks, but it's like, well, okay. I mean, it's that's what they do. <laughs> it is. It's, 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 <laughs> I mean, it's just the if fact. You don't like it, learn a skill and go do something different. Right. Yeah. That That's the bottom line. I learned skills and I went and did something different. Hence, yeah. I no longer work at Kmart. You don't even have to like it. You just have to deal with it. Just move on. It's okay. Your life, it's not going to be the end of the world. I promise. We're tired of dealing with bands of unruly children. <laughs> You're in a game cafe. I'm tired of it. They roam around and, they, and they're, they're unruly and they, oh my God, it's crazy. It makes it difficult <laughs> for us adults that are sitting there rolling dice and uh, drinking coffee, yeah. right? <laughs> Another employee was upset about the now $17 an hour wage that he made teaching board games to children in an after-school program. I can't live on that. I had to pick up two additional jobs. Because it was part-time? I don't know. You said it was you said it was after school, so that makes after you think it's not a After school for a job. non-teaching position, $17 an hour? You're a babysitter. You're making $17 an hour. Get fucked, dude. $17 an hour ain't enough, man. I have to pick up two additional jobs. Well, you know, maybe. You know, a yeah. lot of these cafes that unionized and got press about it were in New York. Yeah. But you're in New York. You know what the deal That's is. What I was about to say that actually this was in New York, right? Seventeen dollars an hour. That ain't yeah, yeah that, that ain't doing it. Yeah. It's New York, yeah. You you know, you can't even live in a broom closet for for on seventeen dollars an hour. You're unskilled labor babysitting bert i i I just i i can't i can't flexible and open door atmospheres that we've tried to foster have been torn down Here, here here's a good one they've given no consideration to my time blindness oh so I, okay i got you i got you right um, my shift starts at two but it's 2 30 and oh well it's my time blindness right? I, I have i love i love the zoomers that that, that 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 have created this and really want it to be a disorder but even woke medicine can't make it a disorder <laughs> yeah i'm sorry yeah. I, I mean you know i can't be on I'm, time so it's somebody else's fault 
or I'm I've got in, a disorder. I don't know. I'm in a union and we're still required to be on time. Time blindness yeah. won't be. Time a- blindness doesn't cut it. And that right. shows you the level of the brain of these folks. I, I, you know, people don't, you know, they say you're not supposed to take joy in being correct and gloating about it. But when it comes to the board game cafe unions, I was freaking correct and I'm going <laughs> to gloat about it. <laughs> I don't know. They might have had some legitimate concerns there. I mean, time blindness isn't really a thing, but... <laughs> I don't think they had any legitimate concerns. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, from that story, I just, I'm not picking up on it. No, Sorry, I, man. <laughs> those were the top concerns. Like I, I did right. not editorialize. I did not pick them out of order. I did not cherry pick what I was going to complain about. Those were the top complaints and, and rationales and reasons that we needed to unionize because gosh, darn it. I don't like kids. And I've got time blindness. <laughs> I work at Chuck E. Cheese, but I hate kids. I mean, it's the right. same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah, it really kind of is. It really kind of is. And it's like you said, you're, you're unskilled labor. $17 an hour. Okay, that's New York, right? $17 an hour where I live in the Kansas City area. That's not bad for a starting wage. $17 an hour is a starting skilled wage outside of New York and L.A., yeah, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, $17 an hour, that's not bad money. Ay, 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 ay. Last but not least, in the news this week, we have some advice for Dungeon Masters that made a full-fledged news story on one of the major pop game meeting media sites. <laughs> so okay. we already know where this one's going. Um, in D&D... The best thing you can say as a dungeon master is nothing at all. Huh? Stay quiet and <laughs> let your players figure out things, describe things, and direct your narrative. There are so many different styles of DMing. I aim for total control as much as possible. This is the author speaking. It's not to hog the limelight. Yes, it is. But it's to cast a brighter spotlight on the cast. It's not cast, it's players. What's Ryan David's excuse? (laughs) (laughs) My party still has the freedom to go wherever they want without railroading. Okay. So, okay. Credit where it's due. Yeah. Sandbox style gaming is a thing. I have a hard time, you know, figuring out when they go somewhere that was not in my plans as I am a preparation heavy DM coming up with things on the fly village of green Haven will help you buddy. Um, (laughs) But sometimes when they do those sorts of things, I just hand the reins over to them. My players decided that they were going to have a folk dance to celebrate their coming of age. Wait a minute. (laughs) Okay. This was clearly not the path of going into the dungeon that I have designed. I had no idea what to do. So I said that they could take over the dungeon mastering for the rest of the session. And I simply awarded a milestone. So you gave up. You gave up. 
Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I could have gone a hundred ways with that. I mean, town festivals and things like that are, are a huge part of fantasy gaming. I'm going to let go the fact that his players wanted to have a high school dance. <laughs> I'm going to let that yeah, one, I'm, I'm going to let that one yeah. slide, but yeah, that's the perfect opportunity for you to drop a unescapable net on your players. Bring in a big bad. Bring in a little bad. Have a cataclysmic event. Plane shift. Open a them. trog hole. Open a trog hole. <laughs> or, I mean, or you could, you know, do something a lot more lighthearted, you know, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of you know, fetch quests or many things going on to prepare for the festival and, you know, difficulties that need to be overcome. Fine, fine. But you don't, and Kyle, I I was looking for a term and it's beautifully simple. You don't give up. And this guy just gave up. I mean, really? I mean, that's what it, man. I, okay. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, I think that that's not, good advice no I, I don't think so either i mean um saying nothing at the dm how do, as a dm how do you keep things from just descending into anarchy and chaos six exactly. sessions exactly six sessions <laughs> it's why they only exactly. last six sessions and that my friends is the news sort of right i can't let this dm giving up go so for their last segment and we are coming close on time for our last segment. I want you guys to think about something. It can be, and it's not the be all end all, but to counter this nonsense of just say nothing, give up. I want you to give a poignant piece of dungeon mastering advice that will actually be useful for a player or a novice dungeon master. While you are thinking about that, I will spend some time thanking Cinnamanda. You know it, you love it. The Iron Empress is the checkmark hero. Sin ponied up eight bucks. He went to nerdcognito.com. He clicked on be a checkmark hero at the top of the page, and he sent us a humble donation. And therefore, we are recommending that you on the Twitter machine follow Cinnamander at C-Y-N-N-A-M-A-N-D-E-R. If you would like to be a checkmark hero now in 2024, you have the option to do so for as little as $2. So after you've spent your $1.99 on Greenhaven, go to nerdcognito.com, click on Be a Checkmark Hero, and send your checkmark sponsorship you will get a shout out on the show just like our dear friend sin and you will hear this harmonious tone checkmark hero. all right boys dungeon mastery 101 instead of giving up what is your core piece or not even a core piece but just a very solid piece of advice that you can give in lieu of this vomit that just splattered across my screen in our last story. Well, for me, um, the first advice that I would offer would be to um, 
pay attention to what your players are doing. Don't give up and let them run run wild. But if they express an interest in something, or if the party goes in ex- a way you didn't expect in your open world sandbox game, think about what they're doing. You know, does this open a new path for you to take them down? Are there consequences to the things that they're doing that are going to catch up with them? Like there are a lot of ways that you can enrich the narrative when they kind of go a different direction than you expected them to. I think that's that's reasonable, solid, and and easy to do, right? Just listen. Listen. Everybody is telling this tale. Kyle, what do you got? Specifically with regards to that story about the giving up thing, I mean, I don't know that I've got a lot. You know what? If I was in that situation, and I don't want to sound like a railroady DM, but here's what I would do, okay? So they're going to have a festival for their coming of age <laughs> prom. It's a quinceanera for the elf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. They're, they're yeah, cotillion. And um, so, okay, you get everything set up. The cotillion's running great. I roll some dice. Oh, my God, here comes a horde of orcs. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful right because i mean, it is, I mean it is something 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 completely in the other direction and it will force them out of their comfort zone which yeah, apparently I mean, is the quinceanera <laughs> I, I just have this i don't know I, I i get maybe it's the old school in me i've got this concept but players do not always know what's best for the game and I'm and I'm sorry if that rubs some people the wrong way, but that's just my opinion. Because if if you give the players the opportunity, then you wind up with this five E overpowered crap, right? Everybody's running around shooting laser bolts out of their fucking eyes, right? Everybody's a superhero, but it's fantasy, <laughs> right? But as, as far as general advice goes, as a as a as a game master, here, here's one thing, and here's a very specific piece of advice, and it kind of goes back to your random tables in Greenhaven have a list of NPC names on hand at any given time, like 20 at least, if not more. You don't necessarily have to use a random table. You could use random tables like in Greenhaven. That'd be great too. But you could also just make a list ahead of time. More general advice, especially for new game masters, and even some old ones will be, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw stuff up. You're going to forget a rule. You're going to make the wrong ruling. Things are going to happen. Uh, you're going to describe something, then later on, you're going to describe it again, and you're going to mess something up. It's going to happen. Don't be too hard on yourself. And when you mess it up, with it. if nobody else caught it, that's what you said originally anyhow. I've done that with character names. I've done that with location descriptions. Right. Nobody yeah. paid it, was paying attention to it before. What's his name? Hector. Someone goes, wasn't his name Joe? No, it was Hector. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. Um, but but that's those, cause I've had people ask me before as, as a new GM, what would you say? That's usually my first piece of advice, very general advice. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've got a a lot of things (laughs) I could say. I got a lot of, I think those are really good and and pretty solid. Plus, you know, it plugged Greenhaven. You got to have the, the random (laughs) list of names, which Greenhaven has. Um, yeah. For me, it's very simple. And I know this is going to rub people the wrong way too. But you can take it with a tiptoe in the water or by diving in. And that is understanding the power of the perception of choice. 
if you present mm. your players with an illusion that they have the autonomy to make whatever decisions that they want and you can craft your story around their choices it's not railroading not one little bit you're still taking everything that they had into consideration but you are giving them the illusion of choice and continuing your path so that you don't have to throw your hands up and say i quit in the end there's generally a path unless you are playing a totally open sandbox i know you don't like illusion of choice i do yeah i i don't either big fan not a yeah, big fan. Cool. But here's the thing. Who's... If it's done well, you don't know that it's happening. So you'll yeah, never know that I'm a legion of choosing you. You will never know it, Kyle. When, when we sit down to play, you have no clue when I am or am not implementing that illusion of choice. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little wary to touch that. Yeah. yeah I'm, not a, I'm not a fan either. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, manipulating your players is not exactly the best way to. You're not manipulating them. Going. Yeah, I don't think it's quite manipulation, Bert. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's like invisible railroad. Right, yeah. <laughs> the, the campaign's on invisible rail. Like you, you you're going to get to that know. wall and like walk know. into it and it'll be like, you must be level 15 to pass. You'll just keep walking into that barrier. I mean. That's just that's just what it sounds like, though, right? I'm not sure that that's that's exactly what you mean. I think because I think that maybe I do something similar. But here's so here's my presentation, just real quick. Like, I'll have a setting, I'll have this and that, and everything. But I have like there's goals and motivations for each of the major players in the world, NPCs, whether that's the big bad or whoever, sure. right? And so there are events that will transpire. So I've got a timeline and it says if the players don't intercede or do something that causes these conditions to change, here's what happens. Week one, week two, day one, do, do hour one, hour two, whatever, whatever your timeline is, right? Um, you throw some random generation in there for your wandering monsters and stuff like that. So that can always throw things off too. But there's, there's kind of, it's like pre-planned, but it's adaptable. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I'll give you an example, too. It's not that I have this epic story written out and it has to be right, done. I don't, but yeah, I if don't I have a particular encounter that I have prepped and I want into the campaign and the players aren't going to where that encounter is, I'm going to find a way to bring that encounter to the table at this session. Right. Now, what that means is I have to, on the fly, perhaps change the environment, change how it comes to be, change the scenario, change what's going on. And so right. when I say illusion of choice, they are still going to get that particular, in this example, encounter that I have ready to go. It's just they're getting it through a different channel. And they still control the channel, but mm -hmm. ultimately, like your world... There is, you know, the world is still turning beyond the five people right. at the table, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, That's what I'm And getting. that, I, I think we're on the same page. We're just using different nomenclature. And, and I think where you got bristly was the baggage that comes with illusion of choice as in 
session one, they're going here and doing this. And right. you're going to force that. No, no, I, I don't subscribe to that. That being said, if I'm in a dungeon and they need to go to a room and they're not going to that room, it is possible that the next door that they open is going to be that room. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. What do you think, Bert? You're giving me the hairy eyeball. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm more of an adaptive DM uh, than like take my Fallout group for example. After the way that they started out, not for sure that um, that they were gonna like this was gonna be that one particular group was gonna be sort of their big bad, right? But the longer they play and the different directions they've taken took me a totally different way. Like when in that first encounter, like that opening uh, scenario from the player's handbook, you run afoul of a, of a particular group and they really leaned into running afoul of that group. So I was like, oh man, this group is going to figure pretty heavily into things going forward. Then it turns out that once they got past that initial scenario, they went a totally different direction, and now it's given me a much better idea for sort of who that big bad evil is going to be. Sure, and and you have to flexibly adapt with, with the scenario, too. And that's why, uh, in my opinion, Illusion of Choice is very different than a railroad. So... Uh, or invisible railroad, as Kyle says. Uh, I'm going to take a minute to remind everybody about stuff. Uh, go to youtube.com slash at nerdcognito and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's also where you'll see the Saturday Speakeasy every Saturday at 5 Eastern. It is the up-and-coming Saturday stream for you. It's the only place you need to be at 5 Eastern on Saturday. We've got a wonderful crew of regulars, and we're seeing new faces each and every week. It's really our show, and our meaning all of ours, because everybody can hop in the conversation, pour themselves a drink, and have fun with no script, no agenda, and no filter. Also, go to the podcast provider of your choice and make sure that you're subscribed to this, the big show, and tell all your friends to do the same thing so that 2024 sees as much growth in our NerdCognito Nation as 2023 did. Yeah, that that's it. So I am going to illusion of choice you to hit the subscribe button. <laughs> uh, I want to take a minute to also thank everybody that has tuned in this week and wish you each and all a very happy, happy and prosperous 2024. We're going to see what the hobby brings us this year, and we'll be with you every step of the way. So whether you're following the ladies on the Nerd Cognito Twitter at Nerd Cognito, whether you're following me at I Hate Ryan David or Kyle at Dying Breed TT or Bert by getting into camouflage and trekking through the woods, yeah, <laughs> we're here each and every week dropping on Tuesday with the big show to give you all of the nerdy goodness that you need. My name is Ryan David. I want to thank you for tuning in this week. Again, have a happy and prosperous 2024, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. It's me. I'm the village idiot.